hello, rather than our ordinary uh, thanks at the beginning of this episode, I was thinking about it, and I figured this one could probably use a content warning. Uh, this is a video game, The Evil Within 2, which is about an exceedingly divorced man who spends a lot of time just like slopping around in white goo. And uh, Cole and I being who we are, uh, we are we have a puerile sense of humor. So uh, be warned. We're going to make a bunch of jokes about that. And I know that not everybody likes that. Uh, sometimes we're smart as well. But I like to think that we're a, a little combination, like a like an, a steak stuffed with M&Ms uh, in that respect. So just a little warning. Uh, and thank you to all of our patrons, of course, at patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Thank you. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. And this week we're talking about The Evil Within 2, which is a survival horror game developed by Tango Gameworks and published by Bethesda Softworks. Lots of works for PC, PS4, and Xbox One in 2017. It would make sense for us to have all these developed by it because this game, uh, more than many in recent memory, has a lot of little opening produced by uh things yeah <laughs> like it really lets you know there's a lot going on here <laughs> yeah. uh this is our premium episode for the month which means that patrons will hear the entire thing if you'd like to join them go to patreon.com slash duck tv mm-hmm. five bucks a month gets you all those uh everyone else will get just the generalities which will be beefy so mm-hmm. n- no worries there um and we appreciate both of you for listening yeah. yeah uh let's get into it uh so in this game you play as sebastian castellanos an ex-cop uh who thought that his kid died in a house fire his kid lily uh but uh instead finds out that she is being held by uh, held captive by this kind of massive corporation slash illuminati conspiracy called mobius the mobius corporation <laughs> Yeah, uh, evil name. And he has to rescue her from the stem. There's a lot of cl- lot of big proper nouns. Yeah, yeah. In this, we're we're fully like we'll we'll get into all of this stuff, but we're fully in the like Resident Evil proper noun zone. Yep, where everything is uh, you know capitalized. <laughs> uh, it's called the stem, and what the stem is is just a virtual reality, like it's a mindscape. Yeah, uh, that the uh, people live in. This is very <laughs> different than Evil Within One. Uh, this is the, well, the sequel to I attempted to uh, to play Evil Within once <laughs> and couldn't. Uh, it seems like a game mostly about watching load screens. Uh huh. Like and I can do that on YouTube or I can just bust up a compilation DVD of load screens. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and just vibe. Uh, 
you know, I don't, I don't need to have this little moment of getting killed by a chainsaw guy you know. in between every load screen. That's just wasted time. I just want to watch the load screens. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it was one of the most frustrating games I ever streamed, which is it sucks because I wanted to really like it. You know, developed by Shinji Mikami, kind of touted as this heir apparent to, you know, the you know, Resident Evil 4 kind of stuff, you know, because it was kind of the first game like this that he was directly responsible for after he left that series. Uh, it's not very good. I yeah. do not care for it. I think that there are people who like it for masochistic reason, reasons. They may say like, oh, you just don't like hard games. It's fine. I like how resource constrained you are. You know, you max out like maybe four or five bullets at a time and you have to make them count. That is, yeah. I, I can adapt to that. But that game hands out instant death like it's uh, uh, Reese's Cups on Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's the problem with it. Like, it, it's not, I like being... I like hard games and I like being constrained as well. I think that coupled with Jurassic Park kitchen stealth, yeah, like crouching below things and throwing bottles, like mm-hmm. that flavor of stealth, which the sequel is as well. But that I, I find that to be a shallow stealth. Mm-hmm. Like when you have no verticality, yeah. uh, you're just crouching behind things um, is really irritating. If every single time, not only you die, but you watch a load screen, uh, like an animation of you dying and then a load screen. Yeah. Um, which is a problem in Evil Within 2 as well. It's mm-hmm. just way less of a problem. Yeah. Uh, they just they just dial it way, way back. I, yeah. I did not like this. I read a story synopsis of it and I was like, this is dumb bullshit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then stop that as well. So I, <laughs> I just, this is, we're in the wireframe zone for Gary because everything that's not a wireframe in this game and what I've read of the, the prequel seems real dumb. Can, to me, can, even though I really like this game, this is like a B plus to me. I, uh-huh. I like this quite a bit. Uh, it is dumb. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we we are in psychological horror month, right? And this yeah. is kind of leading into that. We'll talk about that a little bit later when we get into the story. But something that is that makes it especially dumb, and this is kind of, it's more so in this one, but it also happens a little bit in the previous one, which is psychological horror can kind of only exist when the rules are very vaguely defined. The second mm-hmm. it turns into a kind of technology and some things are considered immutable and it's just cause, you know, yeah. but still you can, you know, like gravity can change according to people's will and stuff. It's still its own version of Calvin ball, but it is trying to also claim to be like rooted in sci-fi. And I think that those two things are incredibly at odds with each other and it There's makes it all extremely yeah. doofy. There, there's only so many times you can just make up a new rule to explain why the people who would want to solve the problem don't, Uh huh. <laughs> you know, like uh, one of the things I was thinking about while playing this was like, okay, you know, the idea is everyone in here is strapped into the machine. Mm-hmm. You know, they only ever show Sebastian Castiano strapped in the machine, but they, you know, they tell you that other people are strapped in the machine. And then it's supposed to be a big deal that we find out some of them are bad guys. <laughs> uh, why doesn't the lady who is perfectly happy being insubordinate, just go unplug them because, or because turn off their connection because they're going to die. If you die in the game, you die in real life. Well, good. We want them to die. Cause it's, it's the serial killers. <laughs> like go unplug the artist and, and the, the evil priest. Yeah. You know, and they just, they come up with a rule. So why they can't like, it's just like, Oh, if we do that, it will affect the mindscapes. Yeah. Potentiometer or some shit like that. And it just, it's, it's that stacked on that stacked on that. <laughs> that just ends up feeling worse than, 
a, a Silent Hill esque like it's just dream logic. It's magic, so you don't yeah. have to worry about it. it, it like it exists- having these explanations, solving the equation isn't good. It's you know it's go on... back to Metal Gear Five, go back to all of these things. Like just solving the equation, having a line that explains something, is not enough to justify it in a narrative. No, no, like it it needs to exist on symbolic logic. I think to really you know especially work. Uh, so can can I give you can I give you a little bit of science on sure. the previous one? You can't oh, go yeah. you can't go kill the uh, the, the the bad people, but especially the powerful ones because they tried to do that in the backstory of the, of the first one, but it just made him more powerful, uh, oh. <laughs> cut loose, cut loose from his, uh, for, from his physical form. Uh, the bad guy there, uh, just, it got more powerful by being a literal ghost in the machine existing in the collective gestalt of the assembled minds of the people in did, the tubs. In the first one, did they attempt to disconnect and then kill? rather than just kill <laughs> like it feels like you could just like sh- like use the computer that's controlling his brain being hooked up to this and be like computer it's... eject psycho and then it would just, like similar to how i might eject a usb drive yeah. like safely remove psycho and then you know right click yeah. safely remove psycho and then uh then when he's there arrest him i think crimes. you have I think you have to be in your room to be successfully ejected. Otherwise, there's a disconnect. See, it's dumb. It's fucking dumb is what it it's, is. It's awful. I'm yeah. so bad at it. Like, uh, <laughs> we're, we're, Tell me we're, more about what happened in, in The Evil Within 1. Yeah. So, well, you know, we're in a weird spot where we're talking about a sequel that is way better than the original. Yeah. We um, almost never do that. Right. Like, if The Evil Within 1 wasn't something that you canonically hated, basically, yeah, then it would have been a thing where it would have made more sense to do that first and then mm-hmm. build up to this see also like dead space right yeah. which it's not you know dead space one is not as nearly as bad as evil within one but the idea was we did dead space one because if we want to be able to do dead space two and not just be able to be like oh this obviates everything yes someday perhaps we'll do dead space two yeah. um you know but we probably will not do evil within one yeah so uh in that game sebastian was a uh, detective he was part of the police force for crimson city crimson with a k mm-hmm. love it yeah uh and uh him and a small crew of people responded to an incident at the abandoned beacon mental hospital uh he shows up but things start getting weird because he was quickly captured and put into uh the stem basically you're put into a bathtub and your brain is hooked up to the uh the minds of a lot of other people uh and sent into this inner world uh, that was kind of formed and run by this kind of keystone personality who acts as the core, the person who's kind of built around it. In this case, it was Stem's creator, this madman named uh, named Ruvik, uh, who, you know, a lot of corporate drama in the background there, but, you know, bad person, uh, unstable, creates this yeah. big unstable world, things like that. Uh, with the help of Kidman, uh, a lot of this is in the DLC there. Uh, uh, Kidman, this uh, rookie detective who happens to be this double agent working with Mobius, the company responsible for uh, for STEM and the, the Beacon incident. Uh, Sebastian defeats Ruvik and destroys the STEM, uh, leaving the whole incident uh, alive, but, you know, traumatized because, you know, was put through a bunch of like spooky stuff reliving uh, Ruvik's whole whole convoluted backstory kind of cube (laughs) yeah he's he's grizzled on a level that video game protagonists uh rarely become uh in terms of what type of game this is uh this is a third person over the shoulder stealth action game Mm -hmm. uh with elements of classic the evil within one kind of environments and open world uh game parts this is where the game sings yes um 
the environment in STEM is this artificial small town called Union. And for the first half of the game, you get to explore Union. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, revelatory and someone should make a whole game of it. Yep. And every time it wasn't happening, I missed it. Mm-hmm. And I hated that it stopped happening. Yep. No, uh, it's wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful going into these little like homes and businesses and seeing the small, the small stories and, you know, elephant in the room here. That's immersive sim. Like, you know, you're breaking yes. into spaces. There's, there's stuff happening there. You're getting resources. There's like a kind of a permanence to it, you know, but it's happening in this cool, illogical space. You know, everything is kind of busted apart and it's floating around. And I love, uh, I love suburban small towns, mm-hmm. you know, that's my favorite level in Hitman too. Yeah. Is, is the suburbs. Like, I just think that's a fun place to transgress. Yes. You know, and, and do things that you're not supposed to do. This ends up pairing really well with mankind divided actually mm-hmm. with that, which is a future city. It doesn't feel like a small town, but it is just a residential space where people live that you get free reign over, mm-hmm. which for me is always the ultimate fantasy of games. Like I don't want to be a Superman. I want to be Gary in the real world, but I can do anything. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, hey, 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 Gary got a question for you. What's happening yeah. behind those picket fences? Uh, the uh, ammo pickups and crafting parts. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, it's yeah, worth gunpowder. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there's, there's there's a pile of gunpowder and some goo that you just slurp up like a fucking maniac. Uh, <laughs> slime time for Sebastian <laughs> Castellanos. Get it in me. <laughs> Give me the slime. Uh, he loves slime. Um, th- this part, but this part is incredible. Like it, it's worth really emphasizing it. Like it, when we get to those parts, and we talk about those parts. We'll talk about why it's so cool. Uh, but it is the the big thing that this game was sold to me on when people mm-hmm. were first telling me about it. I didn't play it because uh, this is the first time I played it here for mm-hmm. the show. Yeah. Uh, I didn't do it because I knew we'd do it for the show someday. Yeah. Um. Somebody take this and make a game out of it. Yes. Like, give me Resident Evil 4 engine uh, kind of shooting at everything, but just make it an open world and get these fucking corridor stalking sequences out of my goddamn hands mm-hmm. uh just get these boss fights off me yeah just let me do this shit it it's um, it's one of those things that really makes me wish this wasn't a sequel to the game that it was because i think that there was again a regression to the mean like oh we have to have like some evil within t- evil within stuff in this it can't just be you know uh let's let's crawl union kind of deal yeah yeah, it, the parts of it that felt bad felt bad the same way the Evil Within one felt bad mm-hmm. to me. Uh, this combat will be familiar if you played Resident Evil five or six. So that kind of over the shoulder slow shooting. Um, you're going up against they're, they're zombies basically. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the <sighs> mutated humans called the Lost uh, here, but they act like zombies and so much so like they're special infected. Like yeah, yeah. the Left 4 Dead tendrils uh, have uh, have reached this as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're doing survival horror stuff in that you uh, have uh, weapons and limited ammo, health resources. Like this is a, a resource game. Yeah. 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 Uh, your weapon loadout is going to be pretty familiar. You have this old standbys, pistol, shotgun, sniper rifle. Thankfully, uh, there is no submachine gun. You do get an assault rifle uh, toward the end, and it's not a bad weapon. So that's good. No, it's it's pretty good. Yeah. You know, if, if it, it'll melt bosses if you save, if you're conservative with the ammo and save them for... Yeah. Death encounters. Kind of the special weapon in this is this warden crossbow for which you get a number of different kinds of ammo and can craft different kinds of ammo that uh, let you set like specialized traps, explosives, 
uh you can uh like uh like open up fire hydrants and shoot it into uh like water puddles to mm-hmm. uh to stun a bunch of people and go in and get instant kills uh the warden crossbow is cool i like it quite yeah. a bit it's a real good weapon um yeah i, I like it as well mm-hmm. uh stealth is really emphasized in this game uh you have a visibility and a sound indicator um you want to be hiding you want to be sneaking up on enemies and backstabbing them uh which is free you know yep. resource wise so obviously that's uh that's advantageous it's also quiet doesn't attract everyone else yeah uh so yeah it, it's real cool like rolling up to a cul-de-sac or like a little development or you know just a couple of businesses examining the situation figuring okay i can get where i need to go if i just lure a couple of these people over here and take out this one guy who's on the way like that yep. situational awareness and then doing the predator kind of gameplay uh it's real good it's one of the most fun things to do in games uh dismantling uh a setup like looking at a chessboard of enemy placements and their movements and being like how do i deconstruct what's the order of operations to deconstruct this Mm -hmm. to turn to my advantage is just the primo video game shit yeah uh (laughs) weirdly one of your most powerful tools in this game is the bottle you know Mm -hmm. you get the uh the distraction element obviously you can throw um, and it doesn't just show you where it lands. It shows you a radius of who's going to hear it, which mm-hmm. is especially useful. Um, but the bottle is also, you know, it's this one resource that uh, that does two things. You have the distraction, but if you, you screw up and an enemy gets a hold of you, uh, at least one of the basic lost, I think maybe a couple of the minor, uh, the like the minor guys, uh, it is an automatic, oh shit kind of thing. I, Sebastian will take up. you buy. Oh, like yeah. you, had to, you had to buy this. Like you don't start out with it, it's an upgrade you can buy in the stealth mm-hmm. tree. I think yeah. it's yeah. it's it's one of the most basic ones you can get. Yeah, but it, it's good. You'll you'll smash over their head and break the hold. Mm-hmm. Um, very useful. Uh, and again, similar to like um, the innovation uh, in the Resident Evil One remake, mm-hmm. introduced with the uh, the shocker, the electric thingy stun mm-hmm. gun. Um, yeah, very useful. And then uh, you can only carry a few of them, but they're everywhere. Um, and the fact that they're useful drives the pickup economy, which drives exploration, which is what you want to be doing anyway, et cetera, et cetera. It's very yes. elegant. Uh, this game has an experience system, unlike a Resident Evil uh, 4, 5, or 6. Mm-hmm. Um, you kill enemies, you collect green goo, which you just slurp on up. <laughs> they leave a little glowing puddle, and you're like, give me that, please. Uh-huh. You have you have a little, like, big syringe. <laughs> yep, and you're just like, I will I'll see you later. I'm going to inject you into my body. Slurp. Um, <laughs> You go to a room and you talk to somebody from the first game, I assume, yes. who will level up your uh, your abilities in this kind of skill tree mm-hmm. uh, setup. There are also gates on the skill tree where you need special red goo mm-hmm. uh, to get past certain skill gates. And that felt, I don't know if this is true, but it felt limited. Like I had to kind of commit mm-hmm. to a path. Like there wasn't, there weren't enough high grade weapon parts, which are the weapon equivalent of that or red goo elements to max out everything. Yeah. Like you're, you're encouraged to do a build. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this yeah or at least be sparing and that red goo is meted out uh at certain points during the story like if you get to a new safe room there will usually be one waiting there after a major boss there will be red goo um things like that this is a game with side quests uh to yes. uh to round out the uh the open world kind of aspect of this uh re- uh red goo and the special weapon parts are often rewards uh for like the very end of those yes uh, the special weapon parts, uh, the equivalent of this. So you're upgrading your character. You're also upgrading your guns, which is basically your character as well. This is just kind of the same function over two different trees, mm-hmm. you know, uh, where you use regular gun parts to upgrade different elements of your weapons. And then they have these, uh, elements where they're blocked. There's yeah. a little bit of a weird, um, rhythmic thing where 
workshop uh, bits uh, or workshops to upgrade your weapons are very frequent. Mm-hmm. But upgrading for green goo, you have to go back to a uh, your hub, go back to yeah. your medulla <laughs> to do this. Um, this is not important to the upgrade meco- economy so much as the crafting economy. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a crafting thing in this where you pick up crafting materials allow you to make ammo uh, which you're going to want to do like a lot Mm -hmm. of your rewards are going to be crafting materials to make ammo rather than ammo Mm -hmm. um and you can do this in the field but it's much cheaper to take make runs back to your safe spot or to a workshop and spend fewer resources to craft things so i think this is really interesting like a really interesting kind of risk reward yeah uh, system um you know if you really need that ammo you can do it but it's not the most efficient use of your resources in the long term mm-hmm. so you have to balance out those concerns yeah i i, I like that it is you know the, it materially rewards planning you know like okay i have this much <laughs> i have this much gunpowder i know i like these weapons let's mm-hmm. you know split this as much as we can let's uh use the fuses and things that i have available to me to make as many crossbow bolts as i can uh get it you know get, get it here uh, but it doesn't emphasize it so much that it punishes you for things that you couldn't take into account. So yeah. if you end up in uh, if, if you end up in a pinch, the fact that you can just do this from your weapon wheel is incredibly gracious. I think uh, yeah. the first game would not have had you do this. It, it's also in addition to that, like kind of planning thing, you get to be in like, oh shit, I was saving that. Mm-hmm. But if I I have to decide, can I get past this encounter with no ammo, or do I inefficiently craft some stuff? Yeah. Uh, that's I love that mm-hmm. really really fun decision. So yeah, uh, super cool. Something important as well is that uh, regular enemies will drop this kind of stuff uh, mm-hmm. for you. It is not uh, it is not just out in the world and fixed. There's a little bit of a uh, dynamic difficulty curve uh, thing kind of going on here, uh, where it will give you uh, materials and sometimes ammo for the things that you are using. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, uh not uh, give you a bunch of uh not give you a bunch of stuff that's not going to be useful for you. So I think that's that's important as well. You don't have finite enemies. You don't have finite pickups. Uh, the game is kind of uh, just trying to make sure to string you along with just barely more than you actually yes. need. Yeah. Then then yeah, and, and specifically of what you use, so you yes. don't have that bad feeling of like I never use the sniper rifle. Here's a big bunch of sniper rifle ammo I fought to get. Yeah. Um. There's a map which you can use to navigate, but you also use this little communicator thing to locate things called resonant points, resonance points. Mm-hmm. Um, these are like a mixed bag. They're cool when they're like, you know, you first go in you're like, Oh, there are commandos who dropped cool stuff. Yeah. I want to go get those. They're also little like story scenes that you'll see mm-hmm. during these that are essentially, um, you know, like apocalypse logs yeah, uh, kind of thing, like audio logs. And they're bad. I think, yeah, uh, I don't I don't think that they're very well written or interesting. Yeah. Um, and they do a thing where before you get to them, this this is going to sound like a minor nitpick and it is a minor nitpick, but it annoyed me every time it happened. When you are tracking it, you can hear the first like, three <laughs> or four lines of the little sketch that they're going to put on for you. Yep. And then when you get there, you get to hear the whole thing, which is like six lines. Mm-hmm. So you hear those first four lines again. Uh, and then the ending and the ending is never revelatory. No, like the ending is never a twist because the writing isn't on that level. <laughs> it's just like the character emphasizing something in a new way. <laughs> you know, like it really was a nightmare and then they die. <laughs> and it's like, you, you do all this work to get that little bonus. And sometimes these trigger like a little boss encounter. Like you're being stalked by a, by a grudge in uh-huh. this. And uh, it's like the, the, the grudge will pop out 
because uh-huh. I went and did this dumb story thing. Like I didn't get anything for this. <laughs> this just sucks. I have to go run away from the grudge now. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I got a bad story. I had to listen to like a shuttle run, like listen mm-hmm. to the beginning of it, do tons of false starts. And now I have to fight a grudge. Yeah. This has broken my uh, pickup loop that I have for this open world that it feels so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is going to sound incredibly minor too, but I played this on PS five. Um, uh, and I imagine the PS four version is similar as well. I don't know about the PC version. It's a pretty buggy game, uh, which is normally not a thing that I, uh, care about if, um, uh, as, you know, as long as it doesn't cause uh, lost progress, but there is a certain amount of frustration where just like sometimes when you're like near one of these things or like trying to look for it, the game can just decide, Oh, you like pressing the triangle button will not actually bring this out for you. You have to like reset into combat mode in order to make this happen. Mm. So just like, okay, press this button and then you know get near and press this press the triangle button to uh to pull out the communicator but then when you're when you're close enough to the thing now hold the square button to make this uh you know to, to, to start this little cutscene, which is an audio log that you cannot walk away from it puts you into like a little shadow circle as you see like the silhouettes of these people um uh just uh act, yeah. not act out this thing just kind of like say this thing yeah i i, I didn't run into tons of glitches with that but that mm-hmm. was the rhythm of it which yeah. even when it's operating correctly isn't great, I think. Yeah. It's uh, uh it it, yeah. it is it is minor friction, but minor friction is cumulative. We it's also a minor friction of a type that uh is pretty endemic to this game, which is this game really wants you to uh stop and appreciate it. Mm-hmm. It does a lot of things where it will make you slow walk uh, to an area, you stop and talk on a communicator while not being able to leave the room. Mm-hmm. You can't pick up things while you're doing that. Like it does not want you to multitask. Um, when you are being told the story, it wants you to appreciate the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you get instant murked by the the Juan by the Grudge, uh, <laughs> it you have to watch the full cutscene every time. Yeah, no matter how many times it happens. Like to me, I don't know if this is a fair thing, but as I've you know, thought about games for, for work and stuff that is, I've come to associate that with kind of a sweaty insecurity. Yeah. Like I, I think that being very, very, uh, it's like the, uh, uh, James Urbaniak in, um, the magic circle Yeah, where he's like, you know, how could anyone appreciate your, your story? If you can just go and destroy everything, mm-hmm. I'm trying to tell my masterpiece and it ends up coming off specifically silly when this is the story you're telling. Yeah. Like I couldn't ring pathos from this if I had, you know, Colossus strength. <laughs> uh, you know, I was trying to squeeze it. Like there's nothing in this game that makes me feel anything. Uh-huh. Uh other than like that's a cool design. Uh-huh. You know, but no 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 sadness. And they really want to try to sell the sadness of some of this stuff and I I just I can't. <laughs> I can't. I don't think they do a good job with it and I hate having my nose rubbed in it when it's bad. Uh-huh. You know, it feels sweaty. It feels like a a uh, you know, my, my geo will be acknowledged, you know, it, it feels like that to me, you know, shut up. Like you're, this is not good. Uh-huh. Let me skip it or at least walk around. Like we say this all the time on the show, but Bioshock figured out audio logs. Uh-huh. You listen to them while you play the game. It's great. Yep. Uh, every game that doesn't do that fucked up. <laughs> just uh if there is a good reason to like pin you down and force you you made me watch you know yeah. <laughs> like like 
yeah yeah uh if there is a good reason to do that i have not seen it no but remember uh titanfall 2 where uh-huh. like you would hit laptops that they were laying on the ground and you had to stand with an audio range of the laptop <laughs> like this time traveling super soldier like you know guy who's just kind of standing around listening to a dot wave file play <laughs> you don't have an mp3 player in that helmet your mech doesn't come with fucking sirius fm this is uh, that's, stupid that's in the leisure package uh, yeah, yeah, you to, yeah you have to pay for the elite elite day one edition <laughs> to get the uh the mecca with the uh the bluetooth capabilities <laughs> yeah um so uh, the, the, these are hit and miss like they're really good when they get you to a quest line that will draw you to specific environments you know yeah like just uh like little mini dungeons i wouldn't have thought to go into the, the well i would have thought to go into the supermarket because i love a fictional supermarket um yeah. but um uh these will direct you to Which points of interest yeah points of interest right yeah uh and sometimes these are uh just kind of like little ammo pickups oftentimes though they're meaningful upgrades they're pouches that let you can carry more consumables and ammo yeah and th- those are huge you want to yeah. be aligned for those it's very funny uh i don't know if this is true but playing the game ends up feeling a little bit to me like they remembered like they came up with this system to support or in in concert with the open world system right so like in your open world you go and you find pouches and it feels like in the first half of the game they were meted out at a really good pace mm-hmm. then you spend a huge section where you don't do any you don't have tons of control like you're just in dungeons and fighting bosses uh and then at the end they just jam pouches on you during the last open world <laughs> section yep. you get so many fucking pouches because like oh shit we haven't been doing the game we made in the beginning for a while right. we got to give you some pouches and you just find them every other corpse uh-huh uh, it, it feels like a real like uh, them not like them designing this system for one game that they made and not for the other game they made. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, there, there's just a bunch of this. It just kind of feels like there are people uh, fighting over the steering wheel, you yes. know, <laughs> where it's just for long stretches. It, it's going to be doing one thing. And then, you know, somebody else with a different priority. It's fucking adaptation is what it is. Like at a certain it, point, at a certain point, Moon the Knight's shitty brother side got over. control. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Spector has, has taken the wheel, has turned it into, and he, he wants it to be all action and stuff, but then they don't nebbish man. He wants to be a bit of story and getting kind of bad grudge. Um, he, uh, yeah. It, it's a, uh, it's really bisected. Mm. It is not a harmonious game like whatsoever no. to play. It's very funny. Yeah. Uh, that when, when the bad director has the wheel uh, of this, it's a real bummer. Um, you spend a lot of time in like dungeons that are hallway related. Sometimes they'll try to do illogical space stuff with them, but it ends up feeling really amateurish, like something that might be really innovative another time you know like going through a door and having it be the same place i just left is cool Mm -hmm. Uh, like i like that but it's not as impressive and it doesn't work as well in a game that is about my avatar existing and moving (laughs) and existing in the space yeah it's uh it 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 really is you know by 2017 this kind of stuff was like very specifically outmoded like you had yeah. you know like like layers of fear did a lot of it uh i think relatively shortly before b- b- before this uh the whole uh fake out where you uh, are looking at one thing then you turn around and when you look back it's entirely different yes like it's just kind of something that during specifically the first half of the 2010s you had games that were based around that you had anti-chamber and things like that 
and and like then even uh what arkham knight started doing it with joker shit mm-hmm. right and just um it's it's kind of not enough to you know kind of build around anymore we need a new trick right it it's not enough to uh just to move away from your actual innovative thing mm-hmm. which is what if re4 in an open world right immersive sim open world like it's not it's fine if you want to make a game that emphasizes that it just ends up feeling like it's kind of breaking a a pact with -hmm. you it's also where they put in the stealth like you're being hunted by a unkillable grudge or you're being you're running down a hallway yeah away from an unkillable grudge which was annoying shit that happened in the evil within one Mm -hmm. all the time um it's it's where they put in their bad design yeah like i don't really like any of those parts there's cool visuals in mm-hmm. them like you end up in this like you know candle hell and it looks cool <laughs> yeah you end up in a blasted semenscape it looks cool everything is covered with with pearly gunk it looks cool <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the um yeah uh, cool but, uh, imagery is not enough it's not it's a not meal enough. it's you know, not, it's a, not meal. a meal it's totally not a meal and the mon- like the boss fights end up doing this as well where they're like some of them are cool designs or cool concepts mm-hmm. and stuff but i don't like how the bosses play yeah. in this uh it's weird they're either they feel like resident evil like old resident evil bosses to me yeah which has never been my favorite part of resident evil where it's like ammo taxes and mm-hmm. you have you have less of a defensive vocabulary in this game than you do a lot of resident evil games even yeah, yeah. like there's no dodge or anything like you just literally walk out of the way of <laughs> throwing <laughs> knives right. uh, and stuff yeah uh uh, something that works against this as well is so for the first half of the game you are dealing with one antagonist who is definitely the strongest uh Mm -hmm. i think conceptually and you know in terms of the uh uh like psychoscapes that he draws you into uh the photographer guy uh and then like this is a game that just kind of goes through like major antagonists and then you get cult guy uh and that's just two as well it feels real weird it's not like and then the coda like the like the very end is 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 when you get yeah yeah it's when you get come wife hey we're gonna talk about come a lot on this so just a heads up it's because for some reason the visual touchstone of this is everything being coated with spritzed glue Uh. (laughs) like the cover of it is is your guy Uh drowning in white stuff like total paint job (laughs) total paint job it's not milk it's real thick Uh uh-huh like to the to, to, to the I, to the point where yeah. they like like somebody somebody on staff had to make a joke about it and they had to know yeah. you have to know <laughs> it's not intentional i'm not trying to say like oh the cum symbolizes you know nano machines that are being used in the stem of his balls like i'm not i'm not trying to say any of this stuff is intentional i'm just mm-hmm. saying that if i see everything coated with white gunk like drippy <laughs> white gunk there it's if it were coated with yellow white gunk Mm-hmm. you know yellow gunk i would think it was you know thick urine it, there's just there's associations impossible for you not to make yeah uh you know uh and some of those things look pretty cool i don't like mm-hmm. that your wife is a big horrible breast monster at the end <laughs> I, I don't really like what this how this game handles women oh no. uh, very well i don't i mean it's it's the writing in general but we were talking about the villains right so yeah, yeah. We, we have one villain who is like kind of a fun gimmick serial killer uh-huh. Uh, won me over and then one who's like a way worse gimmick and then just tiny little bit of of evil breast wife yeah uh, gigantic breast monster wife and then that's it like it mm-hmm. doesn't feel like it uh does the rule of threes <laughs> and what i this is one of those things where like 2022 is the year where i'm realizing how poisonous complexity can be yeah 
imagine a version of this game. Okay. Forget everything you know about the evil within two. Okay. There's a stem and some psychopaths got into it. Okay. Each of them has their own town. <laughs> You're sent into the town to hunt down each individual psychopath through the town that reflects their individual gimmick. Mm-hmm. So you get a little suburb section for painter guy, a suburb section for cult guy, make up three more guys, mm-hmm. give them another open world that reflects each of them. Perfect video game. Yep. I'm just hunting psychopaths in the mindscape. It doesn't need all this fucking Mobius bullshit with the mm-hmm. core and with your daughter and all this pathos. Just hunt down psychos in the mindscape. Mm-hmm. Oops. We made <laughs> we my made favorite Queensryche album. Like it's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just it would have been a really cool idea uh-huh. or like oh it's an experimental prison like we we thought we would rehabilitate them through a psychic thing but you're like a badass psychologist who yeah. has to go in and like shut down their dark half like you could do something really cool with this concept and it the thing that's a tragedy of this game is the first half of this is one fourth of that game mm-hmm. and then the second half of it is just well, it's, well, it's, well, it's the evil like, within two. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, yeah, it's it's not as, as good. But I would have loved to have seen a cadre of like Metal Gear Solid villain esque uh-huh. or like uh, uh, Thomas Harris esque freaky freaks uh-huh. and each of their individual gimmicks. Yeah, you know that would have been awesome. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. and, and instead, just after uh, after the phot- photographer after after Stefano, it just uh, just slides off of a cliff. So yeah. It gets super silly. Yeah. Uh, the writing is dumb and and not good in this. Uh, Sebastian is uh, a real grizzled wife guy in this. <laughs> like the, the the first game wasn't really about him, you know. Like mm-hmm. he you know he he was just uh like a just a, just a cop. Like ah, I had terrible things, and like there were allusions to this house fire or something that uh that was like in his past. But just he was you know just an observer. And that was kind of a red herring about kind of what was going on. It was really about Ruvik, right? Um, mm. Here is just even more divorced. <laughs> He's got more stuff. Never been, there's never been anyone more divorced than, <laughs> than Sebastian. Gostinos. Yeah. Oh man. And this is the, the this is really about his uh, about his personal backstory here, uh, which is kind of not strong enough to hang anything on, really. <laughs> It's very cliche. I when I was playing it, I was like, "This is going to end with the wife telling him to move on," uh, and it's just like, "Oh yeah, I did." Uh, uh-huh. It is exactly that. Um, you got to move on, Sebastian. Forgive yourself. I don't know what he's so mad at himself for. Too, it's one of those things where he did something kind of shitty when you know with the the conflict of this of him like not believing his wife that his daughter wasn't dead. Uh-huh. Like that's a little shitty. It's treated like a really big deal. And mm-hmm. that tortures him and his journey of forgiving himself for that is meant to be like his arc. Uh-huh. You know, when he lets go of the baggage and gets his signature revolver. And the, <laughs> the whole thing is fucking laughable as hell. Like him letting go of his baggage and getting a revolver yeah. is very uh, control. You meet an obelisk. And the first thing it does is teach you how to craft weapons. You know? <laughs> Just fucking video games. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's real, uh, uh, man. It's treated as this huge revelation. Like, oh, like, just <laughs> spoilers for this, I guess. All of this was out of your control, Sebastian. You have to stop holding yourself accountable. Like, literally, yeah. people say, this is an inescapable conspiracy. If they wanted to fuck with you, they were going to do it. There was nothing you could do. So why are you ruining your life? life about it 
it, <laughs> pure narcissism. Uh-huh. You know, the, the narcissism of self-pity. I know I beat that drum all the time, but like, uh-huh. if you think everything is about you, whether you think it's good or bad, you're still thinking everything is about you, yeah. and it's still really unattractive. Okay, Carly like, Simon. Yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, you can you can put a you put a gun to my head. I don't want to have a beer with Sebastian Castellanos. Oh no, no. Like this is this guy fucking sucks. And we're gonna do mankind divided after this. Where we're hanging out with Adam Jensen. And like <laughs> that guy sucks. But at least like I find him kind of funny. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I'd never hang out with Adam Jensen. No. Be horrible. You know, but but Sebastian Cassiano might be worse because he would just wind you the whole time. <laughs> like, uh, like uh, just imagine him like shaking up a beer and opening it and getting some beer on your carpet <laughs> and then going on a 26 hour mindscape and forgive himself. <laughs> <laughs> like, just your it's sne- fine, motherfucker. Snap Stop. it. Snapping your fingers in front of his, his face. Sebastian, Sebastian, come Drop back. it. <laughs> Drop it, man. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, uh, a, a quick throwback to mechanical stuff here when you mentioned he yeah. gets his uh his new revolver something that i really like is you do find better or more specialized versions of your of, of these weapon classes that mm-hmm. you can pick uh your upgrades carry over between all of them that's really yeah that is yeah. really good uh so you don't have the uh you know the resident evil 4 thing i love resident evil 4 to me it is perfect but you have the thing where it's like do i upgrade the starter pistol or do I wait for a better pistol right uh you know uh here you just upgrade mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of like uh, the let us cling together what they did with classes uh-huh. you know uh and having you upgrade all the classes as opposed to individual characters mm-hmm. yeah. yeah uh back to the writing though uh sebastian sucks you know we are yep. in this collective mindscape uh I, I have to say that like for however bullshit this gets in the back half it is nothing compared to just the outright no logic just now you're in the woods now you're in now you're in beacon and now you're in a in a town like now you're in a flooded version of the city it was just like it's like there there was no cohesion to any of it in the first um, one you mean yeah and the and the, and the, and the first one specifically this this world is more stable mm. uh, which i think mm. actually benefits it uh it is not just like you know it doesn't just feel like it's chinji mikami saying all right and now this and then this and then this yeah you know telling a story like a little kid well, it, it's weird because that was a, that kind of shunting from, from zone to zone is a big strength of RE4, mm-hmm. you know, like that is, uh, but they just, they do it in a way that makes sense. You can kind right. of see what is going for with that. Like I can mm-hmm. use dream stem logic to, yeah. to go do wilder swings with that without realizing that like the constant changing of venue was good, but it's still, they need to follow. Yeah. Everything is a non sequitur. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's uh you know Sebastian, his wife, they've got trauma. It turned her into a cum demon, but she comes <laughs> back to human and forgives him, sacrifices herself, uh, because they thought their daughter died. Their daughter didn't die; she was just tortured a lot. Uh, uh I don't know. Uh, a is, lot of if you like a little ghost girl saying "daddy" and then running away, and then you go around the corner and there's nothing there. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This game is for you, baby. <laughs> it's gonna happen a lot. Aesthetically, you know, game game looks good. You, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's probably a little bit behind where it ought to have been in uh, 2017, but who cares? Technically, uh, great visuals in terms of like cool monster design, cool scenery, stuff like that. Lots of good, you know, surreal gore kind of stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I mm-hmm. like the way the things look in this. Uh, the The soundtrack didn't do anything for me, not in a bad way. Like it didn't mm-hmm. stand out. Blended in, you know, yeah, yeah blended in just fine. 
Um, this is, uh, so the first game in the series was directed by Shinji Mikami himself, uh, who created Resident Evil. Uh, his involvement stopped after RE4. Um, and the second one is directed by someone else. He stayed on as a producer supervisory mm-hmm. role. We don't know what that means. Yeah. Uh, in Japanese game studios, that can mean something very different. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I feel like it's probably pretty likely that there's a lot of Shinji Mikami still in this. Like when we were talking yeah. about two people pulling the wheel, if he was responsible for Evil Within One, I could also see him dragging us back into instant death stealth always. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's like, no, no, this open world game that you're making, this isn't what I wanted. I, I can imagine. I don't know, but I can, yeah. I can imagine that. Yeah. Uh, you know, just looking at the commonalities, he's the, he's the common denominator, you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, this was made very quickly compared to the first one. Uh, you know, first one took five years to make. This one was turned around uh, in two. This is likely because, you know, they already had the engine made and stuff like that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and they st- they had the existing deal with uh, with Bethesda. So that probably helped. Yeah. No. Uh, they wanted for this game to simplify the story and bring kind of more logic to the world, which they did. Mm-hmm. Like the story is is simpler. Than yes. the first one is yeah. my understanding from reading about it it's definitely um, told way more directly yeah which i i i think is a improvement mm-hmm. um the game did okay uh you know reviews are and, and everything like it it's like lots of bees mm-hmm. um you know didn't set the world on fire with sales but did okay no yeah. you know yeah. uh did okay it's unclear what the future of this series is going to be uh, Tango Gameworks went on to develop Ghostwire Tokyo, um, and uh, though this does end with a sequel hook in the in the post credits, you know, just uh, no idea. Uh, mm-hmm. this, this weird stuff is happening at Bethesda. I do not, I do not know if uh, Microsoft is crazy about reviving this. Yeah, uh, Ghostwire Tokyo is one of those games that uh, immediately disappeared. Uh huh. <laughs> like it was just like, oh, I see ads for this all the time, and then now no one has ever talked about it. Mm-hmm. uh it's real weird i'm curious um, about it because uh the silent hill 4 guy uh is uh yeah. really really closely involved with it uh yeah. which could be good or bad depending on what parts he brought over but it, it's yeah. always people arguing with the wheel our tour theory it's rough <laughs> uh i wonder how much of the middling sales for this are resultant of uh tango gameworks making their logo a snail that takes three consecutive shits <laughs> looks back at the shits and then looks at the player expectantly like you need that like it, it, yeah, it's yeah. not a good logo. It's not. Uh, it's one of the worst ones, actually. I, I, um, <laughs> I think you might be uh, uh, over attributing how much people care about game studio logos. Oh no, I'm I'm doing it as a joke. I just <laughs> yes. the fact that you have to set through a bunch of unskippable credits things in this, like unskippable, is a big watchword for this game. Uh-huh. Um, meant that every single time I fired up, I had to see that stupid squirrel take three, <laughs> you know, linear shits, and then look at me like, what do you what are you gonna do about it? You uh-huh. like? You like? You like? <laughs> no, I don't like. Um, <laughs> get them off my screen, man. Um, uh, this is going to be it for the uh, generalities portion of the episode. If you are hearing this, uh, it means that uh, if you'd like to hear the whole thing, you can go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv, give us $5 a month, and you will get to hear all of the premium episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of them. Uh, since we started doing that there, um, and, uh, you get to hear them all. It's not just this month's, uh, you also get to hear next month's, uh, premium episode, which is going to be about half life Alex. Yeah. 
and uh, whatever we end up doing for December yeah. in the future. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, great. Um, in addition to being our patron, you can leave us ratings reviews on Apple Podcast or Podcast Addict. Uh, if you are a non-straight white cis dude and you have a project that you would like us to signal boost, please send me an email at gary at duckfeed.tv. Um, this episode, I want to tell everybody about the game Holt from Bunk Bed Fantasy. Um, this is a uh, kind of a very in the politics of Duckfeed uh, satire game um, where you have this young detective as a satire on capitalism and law enforcement. Mm. Uh, there, there is a, uh, it is downloadable, uh, pay what you want. Um, if you go to bunkbedfantasy.itch.io slash halt. Nice. Um, check that out. It looks real cool. It does. I love these, uh, these visuals nice and colorful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really, really saturated, like retro palette, mm-hmm. uh, on this, uh, really, really neat. Neat. Um, yeah. So like kind of a, kind of a mix between like a role playing and, uh, like a running gun kind of game with this. So there's platform elements and overhead elements. Mm. To it. I, it's, I, I, I know it sounds like I'm doing a bit here, uh, or just uh, leaning into it. Uh, always finding out about cool stuff on this segment. Yeah. It's uh, that, that's the idea, you know? <laughs> uh, so if you have something you'd like to have highlighted in the segment, please send me an email. If you sent me an email and we haven't gotten to yours yet, uh, apologies. It's not personal or anything like that. It just, uh, dig through them. I try to vet them a little bit and, mm-hmm. uh, that depends on time. So yeah. Uh, check out Holt. Please do. Um, also check out best quality vacuum, you know, you know, oh, yes. or still, still in the early, early days of that. We're talking about breaking pad. Eventually we're going to talk about El Camino and uh, better call Saul that is going to replace orb as our, uh, non video game media show that we do. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, until next time, take care. Thanks for listening.